2: what's up everybody welcome to episode 32 of the Molden minds we're back after a short hiatus but we're back with a good one we've got ourselves pocket of course how you doing pocket i'm doing excellent man no more rainers in my matchmaking games i'm fired up dan <laughs> we'll see about that we've also got tailored as well returning guest how you doing tailored
3: i'm good how are you
2: I'm fantastic. I'm also really excited for for our final guest today. Um, first time on the show, Psycho. how you doing? Doing great, doing great. thanks for having me here. Hello, everyone. And you know what, I think I think I want to start this discussion by by finding out a little bit more about you, Psycho because um, you're I think you know with along with Exet as a whole, you guys have been kind of you know, rocketing up the up the leaderboards and having great performances of late, and I think you know you, you're, you'll be more unfamiliar in terms of you know your reputation in the scene. So, would you like to kind of start us off a little bit by giving us a background? Where did you come from? How did you become the coach of Exe? How did that all come about?
4: Sure. Well, uh, you know, back in my teenage years, I used to play a lot of America's Army. Did some Cod for Pro mod, Black Ops One. Uh, And then I went off to college, you know, concentrated on girls and working IT jobs, uh, floated around for a while a couple years ago, got into uh, hosting some Rust servers that kind of pulled me back into the gaming world, Uh, got back into esports, got an offer to coach from my good friends at Sedated and Battalion, uh, moving over into Valorant. So that was a a jump into the coaching world. And I realized it was instantly for me. Uh, I love coaching. I love developing players. I love uh, the strategy side of things. So uh it's been a fun adventure so after sedated uh disbanded
5: uh moved on to Lazarus and then now on exit that's kind of awesome, awesome. Dan, if you don't mind me jump in real quick yeah, two key notes here how the hell did you get into America's Army 2 not even America's Army 1 <laughs> like kids were playing Halo Call of Duty Battlefield how does one find themselves on America's Army 2.
4: Uh, I don't know man I I was so young at the time, you know, you just kind of play what your friends are playing. And I had some friends that were playing America's Army, and I ended up being really good at it. Uh, got picked up as a backup for a Cal Invite team, like, really young. So, uh, I don't know, I just kind of fell into it. It was a really fun game. I think it was 4v4 at the time, ex- excessively slow. A really slow, methodical, <laughs> meticulous game, so... a lot of fun
5: and then the quick follow-up on this one is of course you mentioned you came in with a battalion squad a lot of teams coming from all over the world uh we've seen PUBG teams fortnite players overwatch players cs the whole gambit coming into valorant how did the battalion players transition to this title uh well battalion had a a really
4: big community uh well not not extremely big but it it had a solid community that thrived for a bit and then all of a sudden the game died so you had a lot of teams uh, groups of guys who were looking for a new game to play. Um, and a lot of them looked over at Valorant. So we moved moved over into Valorant with Seth, Tanaka, and Wilski. Um, and for a while, ran with that squad in beta. Um, obviously, that squad dissolved. Seth went on to Space Station Gaming. Uh, Wilski and I went on to Lazarus. And then I went on to Exit from there.
5: Got it.
2: Well, I think, I think you know, like we, we have so much to talk about today that it's, it's, uh, I'm glad that people have a small introduction as to who you are. We're going to be talking a lot more about coaching. Um, obviously, you know, Taylor is here as well, so we've got the coach episode. And uh, I think I think what we need to do is we need to address what's been going on right now. We just had a patch coming out today. Clark already referenced it. We had some changes to Rayna. and and I want to start with the agent changes, and then we'll we'll go into some of the weapon changes, and maybe you know what's going on with the with the force by meta and so on that's happening at the moment. But firstly, you know this this Rain, change buff or nerf you know what what do we think of of this change
5: taylor i want you to hit this one because i feel like at lower levels and ranked it's definitely going to have an impact on Reyna. it will it change the way games are played at the pro level as well
3: i think um it kind of seems like a nerf for ranked and the lower level players the you're seeing her all the time in pugs and high level low level wherever um but i think it could actually be a buff uh for competitive the uh, mostly just because you can use your teammates assists as, as uh you can use them as orbs for both your charges right not just ult charges
5: yeah basically any any time you damage someone you get the soul orb off of them as you would as yeah. if you got a kill previously to this patch
3: yeah so um i think uh i think that's big cuz you know, there's a lot of times where people get assists and you're not a, rewarded for them. So I think it's actually interesting to see a character that gets rewarded for assisting. And a lot of times when you when you double up Reyna with another Flash character, she's second entry anyway. So if you put a Reina and a Phoenix together, that's going to be a really deadly combo, um, which is what we used to run on. We ran, like, Reyna-Phoenix combos on Haven and Bind for a while just to have that strong entry potential. And... Um, comps like that will will definitely benefit from this
5: psycho do you think think the the... money impact is gonna have a a big difference here it's a hundred dollar increase or a hundred credit increase 200 now per dismiss and devour is that a big deal um i don't think it's that big of a deal i think the the two cap
4: is the bigger the bigger deal and i'm honestly more interested to see how being able to dismiss off an assist is going to play into uh The professional side of things. I agree that at a rank level it might be a bit of a nerf, but um, I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence about how this is going to play out at the top level. Um, There's a lot of really good players right now that are maining Reyna and doing a really good job of it. Um, So if you're giving them the ability to escape untraded off of an assist, um, that seems like a buff to me.
3: She's going to be a pistol nightmare, So I think.
2: Yes, uh, it's interesting too because the Reina and the Stinger. You know, we'll be talking more about the Stinger changes in, in a moment. Um, but as as it was, Reina plus Stinger was just so ridiculous because you can just always get that kill and dismiss off of it. And I feel like with the ability to play, like to have to be more conservative with the moments you're, you're picking, what you're dismissing off of, it feels like that should that that feels like does feel like a, a, enough to a degree to a degree for me at least, um, but. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this this plays out. I'm really curious. It does seem like there are a lot of people on the fence at the moment. Um, Unless there's anything else to add on that, we can we can start talking about Yoru, who also had some changes as well. Um, We have now it being more obvious for you exactly what's happening with Gate Crash when you're sending that around the map. It's more obvious, like what will like on the mini map where the sound will actually be. Be, um, be heard from, which I know that's been a huge issue with you, is, is that his abilities seem very telegraphed, so that seems like it should be you know, you should be able to guarantee safer teleports in that sense. Do you guys think that they're hitting the mark with some of these changes? Um, the dimensional drift changes, the alt changes I think are pretty good as well, um, but but first of all that, that teleport. Um, I think the big issue with his
4: uh, teleport is just how far enemies can hear it. I think being able to see um, how far the enemies can hear it will, will help in like identifying when to make those plays. But I think the, the players who really um, dedicated to learning Yoru know that stuff anyways and still aren't finding success with him. So I don't know if this is necessarily going to give him the buff that he needs to be competitive enough as a duelist to replace a Reyna or a, uh, even a Phoenix uh, or race on, on a lineup in a duelist role.
3: Yeah, I don't think it's so much that Yoru is like... Um, I mean, he needs tweaks for sure, but I think, uh, as long as his abilities are less impactful than, than those three other duelists, then you're just not going to see him in competitive play. I don't, it doesn't really matter how much you tweak him, unless you make him just ungodly OP, uh, which is still going to be hard just because Reyes, Phoenix, and Reyna are all super strong.
5: Am I the only one who's happy that Euro didn't become like a big thing? (laughs) <laughs> and that it wasn't instantly in every single lineup. I was I was actually kind of ecstatic to see when they announced another duelist is like this is not what we need right now. And that people are still running the classic comps. Is this a character that you guys are excited to see in gameplay? Do you want to see more of Yoru in the future or do you like kind of the, the same old, same old
3: tried and true three or four duelists? I think Yoru's, is uh, we, we ran Yoru on almost every map um and i said this in an interview recently we ran him on every single map for like 2 or 3 weeks and we had a lot of success with him um we we put uh, sabrosa on him on a lot of maps and um i mean he he could make effective plays it just overcomplicated things you know i might as well just put him on rena and have him do the same exact stuff okay. with less complex abilities yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
2: It's going to be, I mean, they added another jewel list and it's obviously, we already have kind of a an oversaturation of jewel list. It might, maybe it'll be the case that as more agents get added in, you know, we have that controller tease, maybe there's going to be more agents that will synergize better. Um, so I'm I'm curious how they see that, whether they're going to do some of those, like, those ch- hard changes where they will try to force people to use your by just making some stuff incredibly OP, but... But uh, with that said, uh, the other the other two changes, uh, just a small change to Brim and Phoenix, I don't think these
0: were, I mean, are these a big deal? You know? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
2: We have for the Brimstone Incendiary. The audio of the Incendiary's lingering fire zone will be easier to hear when other actions and sounds occur nearby. Was this an issue? You feel like?
3: Uh, not for us.
2: Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really see this as like a. a a, a glaring issue and the same kind of thing for, for Hot Hands for Phoenix as well uh, so seems, with that said seems ben, like
3: a lower level problem <laughs> I can't tell I'm yeah. burning
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's I think it's like low level ranked
4: like there's a molly inside of smoke or inside of Omen smoke or Brim smoke you don't realize it's there and you walk into it right. you know, there's so much going on I don't know
2: I don't know I don't think it was ever an issue for us though yeah now, now, I, now I think about it I've done that a lot just,
1: like any good team According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Um. So the weapon updates. So th- this is super interesting, right? At first we had that those those uh, those teasers, the, the leaks um, of the changes to the, you know, to the weapons, the price changes of the weapons, and we saw the frenzy go up to five hundred. We saw the Stinger go up to eleven hundred from thousand. It's like, and I was I was just praying that that wasn't the only thing because obviously that doesn't really right. change really anything about the weapon, especially given how it's being used in professional play and the impact it's having. Um, but when we also have the Marshall, which got buffed, and it was already, I feel like, very good. And maybe it was the case that the Marshall was going to become used a little bit more um, in in some of these forced-by shenanigans, uh, as it does, I think, answer some situations. And I think in the hands of a professional player, the Marshall is really nuts. But um, they have increased the movement speed for the Marshall to 90% of unzoomed from 76. You're going to move a lot quicker when you're scoped in. And there's a zoom magnification as well. Are we going to see some kind of Marshall meta really being forced by this change? coming through in the force buy scenarios. I think it depends on how hard the
4: Stinger is getting hit, right? Like, looking at these numbers, it's it's interesting. It could be enough of a nerf that people buy the Marshall, but we won't really know until we know. Um, and I think that's the thing with the Marshall is it's a great gun. It's just why would
3: you spend 1100 for a Marshall when you could buy a Stinger? Right. Yeah, I think um, it's going to be map-dependent for sure. I think uh, certain maps like... Ascent that has, like, long midlines. The is going to be beneficial to players. Like Wardell, I'm sure, is happy about these changes. Uh, the is going to feel a lot more like a scout, and he loved the scout in CSGO. So um, I think the Stinger changes and the Frenzy changes are both pretty obvious changes that needed to be made, and I'm glad that the Frenzy only got hit with the monetary change because I don't think the gun is that overpowered. I think just the gun plus armor is overpowered on uh, pistol rounds so uh, i like that change and i'm interested to see if the stinger change is enough to push people off of it it kind of seems like it will be so i'm, not, I'm just not sure i got gonna see it in action
5: yeah so quick note on that you're now seeing the frenzy going up to 500 credits uh <clears throat> a lot of complaints that i saw was it's not necessarily the cost of the frenzy that's the problem it's the mobility with it and how accurate you can be on the run Do we think, though, now that you mentioned Taylor, you can't get the Frenzy and Armor in that first round, will we see teams start to buy
3: Frenzies for each
5: other? Will we see some Raid Boss stacking happening here?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think the Raid Boss um, thing could definitely happen, um, which you would see in Counter-Strike sometimes. People would Raid Boss like P250s and CZs and stuff. Um, But I think with the Frenzy the biggest issue is that you could get the frenzy and armor on all your players. And that's just like having five people run at you and be able to accurately shoot you. That's tough. But, uh, outside of that, I mean, you don't see the frenzy dominate in gun rounds. Really? Uh, it was only in the pistol rounds. So I think this change, um, makes the ghost more viable again, which will definitely benefit our team. My team still loves the ghost. Uh, but the, um, the raid boss idea is okay because there's only going to be like one person being able to run you down an entry, and he's. I mean, the rest of the team's still going to be vulnerable to those long lines. So you just got to change the way you play.
2: And considering yeah. sort of, oh, go ahead.
4: Oh, I'm sorry. I was just to say I agree with that. The main the main threat of the frenzy at the moment was just death balling with four or five people into a site. I mean, it I may piss around. Towards- Pretty boring. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think we'll see a shift back towards actual utility and setups and pistol rounds instead of, okay, which site are we going to deathball into with all of our frenzies today?
2: And it's, it's going to be interesting too, just because, like, I feel like there's been so much variance that people have been really sort of abusing and discovering at a professional level. And I think this is something that, you know, um, you know, Taylor's, um, you know I, was, I was talking with Mike and he, he raised um, a, a Mike's. A, Obviously, people know him from Multiple Minds and doing some coaching with uh, G two in the past. And he was mentioning that uh, Sliggyhead was kind of theorizing that you know you guys are struggling a little bit more because in this sort of forced by meta, it's harder to get the operator on Wardell um, like by round four, or you know, and and that and just is so disruptive having the power behind. The running gun from a you know from the frenzy, the running gun from the stinger, and so on. So, as we're looking at some of the stinger changes, are you feeling like you, you're 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 gaining like a sense of relief that maybe there's more that you can do against these kinds of mental stinger buys?
3: Um, I think uh, the biggest advantage for us is that we're a team that relies heavily on making adjustments to how teams are playing. Uh, I think my guys are really good at recognizing what's happening and adjusting to that, and the fact that you know, either team won't get a full gun round until the fifth or sixth round because you're just buying back and forth it means that um, it's even less time to adjust in a 13-round game. Um, so I think that um, the fact that we're so improvisational with the way we play, uh, it'll benefit us in that regard. I don't think it's necessarily that we didn't have an op because Wardell can rifle really well. I mean, you've seen him clutch with the rifle just as well as he can... As, well, as so he can op. Um, but it will be nice having the early game be a little calmer so we can take that time to read our opponent. We're not just getting, uh, like Psycho said, death-balled every round. But you can see the, um, I mean, during the last few tournaments, we've been buying second round now instead of saving on that second round, uh, which we've been doing for a while. And uh, we win a lot of those rounds. So... You know, we can jump into the meta. It's just like, I don't know. It's kind of boring <laughs> playing yeah. that way.
2: Yeah, like it's like a, you know, as as a coach, someone that's trying to prepare to you know, prepare your team with strategies and tactics and matches. It, it, is it has it been frustrating feeling like there's you just have to like get through this this force buy battle before the game kind of starts and you know more in a or the the more strategical game starts.
4: Um, yeah, it's definitely fr- frustrating. Um, but for us, I mean, we we really concentrated on excelling at shutting down that second round stinger by, um, because it's just so huge. If you can just shut that down and put them on eco for the next round, you get that extra round out of it. So you know, for us, it's just something that you know, like Taylor said, you just gotta adapt to the meta and be malleable and uh, willing to learn how to uh, identify what the meta is and then shut it down so that we can play our game. Uh and force them onto our terms
5: how soon before I'm- we know whether or not stingers are in the game moving forward right this, this patch notes just come out today we've got the big challengers 2 coming out and with the stinger for those who didn't read the notes the big issue is recoil and fire rate changes right your your burst fire is still pretty good but it seems that if you're spraying it it's going to have massive recoil at the kick uh some kick on it and you're going to see it shooting a little bit slower so I feel like without the stinger, we don't have this whole mess of that round two, round three action. Is the stinger going to be in the game after Challengers two and, and moving into maybe even the first Masters event in March?
3: Challengers is going to be played on an on the old patch, okay, I'm sure. Um, and I'm not sure about the the following Open qualifier. So it, it could be you know a few weeks to a month before we really know how the how the Meadows impacted by it. But I think uh, Psycho and I will know in scrims before then, uh, what's happening. So, you know. Yeah, the way the, I
4: understand for the um, uh, the, the qualifiers, the, the open qualifiers are played on whatever the live patch is, and then the following challenger event is played on whatever patch the open qualifier was just played on. So challenger 2 yeah. will be on this previous patch, okay. uh, but open calls for challenger 3 will have the stinger changes. Um, so we won't see probably much stinger action in the next you know couple days leading up to challenger two because we'll be scrimming on the old patch but i'm sure you know all the ranked kids will be forced buying around two you can leave it up to them pretty reliable on <laughs> that so i'm sure we'll see on twitter how people are feeling about the the stinger and then next week we'll get to test it out i was and gonna say we're
5: literally seven days away from that third open qualifier so it's coming up on us mm-hmm. real quick
3: yeah, not only that, but a lot of these teams can't practice. Like, we can't practice right now because we have a player in Texas. A lot of the teams have players in Texas. So I have to cancel on Psycho later today because James still doesn't <laughs> have power. We were supposed to scrim today. Um, and uh, we were going to play Envy and Anbox and can't play them either. So we got seven days going into a tournament. We can't, we can't practice on a new patch. It's rough. Feels
2: for tailored, man. Yikes. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a rough one. Well, I mean, it's it's been really interesting seeing seeing some of these developments, you know, as we're talking about them. Um, I, w- I wanted to kind of raise the... I mean, this is the point I wanted to raise a bit later, but as we're kind of there, we have this issue in this game of, of variance more so than in a game like Counter-Strike, because especially, you know, right now, where you have this this issue whereby, you know, the Force buys are really good, so, you know, st- strategic, uh, really strategic, more tactical teams, they have to fight a little bit harder to get past that hump and deal with that first to then really play the strategical game a little bit more. And on top of that, as you said, Taylor, you know, you're, you're working with less rounds overall than you are with Counter-Strike. Do you like? Do you guys feel that variance a lot when you're playing um, and when you're kind of you know, devising strategies and trying to innovate? Or is it actually starting to feel now you've had more experience coaching in this game that, as you said, like adaptability is a huge element and having a team and players that are able to do that is is how that's how you actually deal with the variance. like how, how do you guys think about it in this game are you frustrated by it how, how is it how does it hit for you
3: um i think uh so a really good example was our our icebox match against gen g um we had no idea how they were gonna play because i didn't have any vods to watch uh we'd only scrimmed them like once or twice. And the way they played in the match was way different than how we scrimmed them on icebox. So we went into that. We lost pistol on our CT or on our defensive side. And um, then we forced back and won that round. And then they started hitting us with these mid splits that we just weren't used to. And um, I think we adjusted accordingly. We adjusted within like a round or two. We got our money back. But by the time you do that, um, the best we could hope for was a 7-5, us getting five rounds. And then we screwed up one clutch situation that gave us an 8-4. So if we did everything right, adjusted well, we're still ending on an 8-4 half. And if we don't win that next pistol, our T side is screwed. And T side is, is uh, you need your momentum early on that map. So um, sometimes it feels like if you do everything right, you're still going to lose. And you can see it coming from like a mile away. It really is hard. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the MR12 or MR13, whatever it is, uh, really affects some teams, especially us. And, um, you know, sometimes it's to our advantage, sometimes not. That's a good example of it not being to our advantage for sure. Yeah, it's very
4: momentum-based game
3: right now. Um,
4: you can get the early swing in economy uh get those pistol rounds shut down the uh you know win your bonus and put them on the back foot you have a lot of momentum to where by the time like you said you get to the strategic part of the game you have a huge advantage so even if they may have the one up on you strategically if you have you know a 4-0 lead up on them it's, it's really hard to claw your way back into that game um and you feel that pressure you know i know these guys feel the pressure uh of going down those rounds so I, I i too would like to see more rounds on each half uh i think that would make the back and forth more interesting give teams more time to kind of identify and strategize against each other mid-game instead of it being more of a
5: pre-round prep like taylor Taylor uh, alluded to i don't think it's gonna happen boys i'm just saying now <laughs> no. prepare yourself for mm-hmm. eternal frustration on that note because there's no way rides can be like you know what actually we should make it closer to counter-strike I, I think we're gonna see Valorant staying at the numbers they're currently at. Maybe just figuring out. I don't. I don't even think they'll make changes to overtime anymore moving forward. I think what we have as a format is gonna be what we're playing for the next two years.
3: Maybe I'm wrong. I think uh, it's an entertaining format. You know, don't get me wrong. But I, I, there's definitely pros to it for sure. Uh, the fact that the games are shorter feels nice. A Bo3 doesn't suck the soul out of you, right? Like it did in Counter Strike. <laughs> Uh, you have these three-and-a-half-hour-long matches. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, small changes like making um, pistols less impactful will help for sure. Because um, as it stood with the Frenzy Stinger meta, that's like six rounds you could get out of a 13-round game, which is extreme. It's pretty nutty, so, yeah. Yeah, making pistols less impactful making it so people want to save that second round instead of forced by stingers uh i think that stuff will help because before that meta it wasn't that big of a complaint for me the the how many rounds you got so maybe we'll we'll go back to the how it was a few months ago
2: yeah it's kind of crazy because in it felt, it felt like in this game you could get more buys in general that were actually you could yeah. work with whereas now it's kind of in this situation where it's actually like people are able to or incentivize to basically buy every round. There's there's something that you can do that's very, that can be very difficult to deal with. Um, and, and it is an interesting balanced discussion. As you say, there are loads of pros in terms of like storylines. You know, it feels like when a game is won or lost. If you're if you're there on the, the analyst desk afterwards, you can be like, "Well, this is this is you know, how this team got ahead. This is where the, this other team had to try to make those adjustments, and they either succeeded or not." And it's right. And it's, it only goes so far. But in CS, I remember there's so many games where I'm like trying to keep track of it, and, yeah. and then it, and then it's just it gets to a point where there's so many adjustments that start to happen that it becomes impossible to really talk about. How many important things were actually happening in the match? So, telling the story becomes more difficult. So, there's definitely a lot of pros to it, as you say, but you can't kind of have your cake and eat it too. You can't have like a game that's very high variance. Um, to, but you know, you can't dec- uh, increase the variance by reducing the amount of rounds, and then also they increase the, the variance by having all of the kind of running gun and just reducing the mechanical skill ceiling, which also, of course, Um, Increases variance as well, and then on top of that, having like this ability to just buy every single round. So this it's going to be interesting to see how Riot kind of you know balance the scales on this one to kind of create the best experience for the pros and the and the spectators. Definitely, I don't envy them because it's going to be hard to figure it out. But but uh, I do like some of the risks they've taken so far.
3: Yeah, I have full faith in Riot. I think the changes they've made so far have been. They're clearly listening to the community to an extent mm-hmm. and they're clearly maintaining, you know, their own focus and their own uh, storyline in the game. So I I have full faith that they'll they'll end up with an amazing game. It's an amazing game already. So
2: Yeah. And it yeah, seems absolutely. like the and
4: I've been I've been one to like kinda of put up my nose that people are like, Oh, the game should be more like C S in this aspect or that aspect. And no, not at all. Poking fun at those guys, right? But um, I think Riot, like Taylor said, is doing a great job, and I think they're going to end up uh, taking this a great place. I think it's already at a great place. I, I think from a spectator point of view, um, it's it's amazing to watch. like uh, The back and forth, um, especially in NA, anybody can, need, can beat anybody right now. Um, and every game is exciting. Every game can go to overtime and, and go deep. So I'm really enjoying the game so far.
5: Dan, can so, we hit that note right now? Because yeah. I, I love that comment. Everyone could be everyone in an A right now. Some people are complaining <laughs> about it. Uh, you see some of the pros who are losing coming off a match saying the game should be more difficult, that aiming should be tougher, that you shouldn't be able to move as much. Um, I feel like a lot of people are just putting a ton of time into this game, and we are seeing a number of variable results coming in and out of these tournaments. But Taylor, as a, as a guy who's been on one of the top teams since the very beginning, since the beta here with TSM, what is the state of the game right now? How many teams are in that top tier or, or top two tiers where they could be competing for a spot at a challenger's position or maybe even go the distance to a master's?
3: Well, I think um, I think the thing in Valorant is always going to be about consistency. Uh, so I think there's teams that have consistently been at the top, um, like us and Sentinels, um, where clearly the two top teams over the summer – And at the beginning, of beta and stuff. Um, And then you have challenger teams like Xset, um, Immortals, LG. They all come and they show that they can fight just as hard as we can fight. Um, But I think the biggest thing is going to be consistency. I mean, we've had lulls in our performances. Like uh, before First Strike, we Mm -hmm. had a lull where we were not playing well in scrims. Um, We had a lot of reworking to do. We're obviously in a bit of a lull right now. Uh, in these open qualifiers, but um, we came in second and first strike, which, you know, everyone says was a fluke. We should have won <laughs> first strike, but um, uh, it's it's just about consistency, and it's the same. It was the same in Counter-Strike. You know, the best players are always the most consistent players. Everyone can hit the same shots as everyone else. It's how often you can do it. Um, so it's nice to see teams like Exet performing well over and over again, as they've improved, um, so I hope to see them continue to improve and continue to win. But I think consistency is is the main goal.
5: Saika, who from outside of that
3: old school crew
5: do you think is now breaking into the top tiers at this point? Clearly, your team is going to be playing in challengers too. We see teams like Luminosity making it to a finals recently. Uh, what are your expectations for kind of the next wave of teams that'll be challenging towards the top?
4: Um, I think Luminosity and Immortals are two teams that are are on an exceptional hot streak right now, obviously. Um, But I think that they're both similar in that uh, they have a lot of individual skills stacked onto a roster. Um, It's a lot of individual talent and, and Luminosity in particular, like to, you know, force you into these 50, 50 fights and, uh, try and beat you through, you know, their aim and like put, put you in a position where they're going out team out. you I think that those guys, if they can maintain that level of consistency and add some strategy on top of what they have are going to be really dangerous moving forward. Um, I think chemicals is a really good pickup for immortals. I coached him on a tier two team Genesis with profi and Nosey and a couple of guys. Uh, he was always exceptional, but he was a cypher main back then. So it's interesting to see him transitioning into the jet
2: and kind of taking on all these tier one players. Yeah, it seems like things are definitely starting to shift or at least if that, that shift is being felt like, you know, as you say, with Immortals finding so much success and with, you know, for example, you know, you guys finding so much success. What, what do you think it is for exet for What, you know, what for you guys has really been clicking? Do you think that's really allowed you to kind of jump up um, to, to, you know, to have so much success of late and to, you know, to continue that trajectory? And
5: as you answer this, Psycho, I know some people just kind of fell asleep during Christmas and they're just now waking up to Valorant again. Could you walk us through your roster and tell us a little bit about this team for anyone who missed what you've accomplished so far this year? Uh,
4: Sure. So um, Thwifo, Xander hit me up, um, said, hey, look, we got this team, Pretty Boys. We got an org lined up, Um, but we've hit this like plateau and we... We've been struggling to push through this plateau, and at the time, I think they were like 35th on BLR, and they were kind of cycling through players and trying to find the right fit and stuff. So um, I came in, and we immediately needed to fill the smoker spot. So uh, we had a couple of people in mind, but I ended up going with Weeded, uh, who turned out to be a really good uh, fit. Um, From there, we had some good success in tournaments for a little bit. Um, uh, Saw an opportunity to strengthen the roster a bit and picked up BCJ um and just had really good success i think the the key i don't know if there really is a key to success i don't know if there's like one thing that any teams can do to like become better but i think for us it was really just how hard we've been working and how hard everybody wanted it you know everybody on the team for the most part outside of maybe pure r came from cs and pure r you know was mdl he's not like an xcs pro or anything like that so um, everybody really wants to prove themselves at the top level and show that You know, they can be these top players in in a game like this. So um, we put in a lot of time. We scrim a lot throughout the week. We put in a lot of odd review. Um, And we focus a lot on team play uh, and strategy as opposed to kind of like feeding the individual plays. I know some teams kind of like to to lean towards that side, but, you know, we take more of a, a strategic approach, make sure everybody's tradable, stuff like that.
2: Yeah. With with that said, like when you're saying you're doing the work and putting the work into Votaries and so on, is this an entire team activity or is it restricted more to like you know yourself and maybe the IGL and maybe one other or you know how, how is that kind of fitting for the whole team?
4: I think that's another interesting thing about this team is that we don't really have like a you know like an FNS or anything like that who's like the hard IGL that dictates every round from start to finish and micromanages people. Um, we have caller on ct side and then we have another caller on t side for pre-round and then kind of anybody can speak up mid-round and make a call when they see it um it's been a hard system to kind of iron out uh because you end up stepping on each other's toes so you have to lay out a lot of protocols on who's calling when but um
5: it, it's been working well so far that's cool gotcha. are are you the only team who has a caller for each side um, I'm not sure.
3: I'm not sure how most teams are doing it. Um, I think there's other teams there's that have, have similar patterns. We, I mean, we have, like, uh, we have Hayes to call a lot of CT rounds just because he's often, like, um, our sentinel, and moving the sentinel around is, like, the most complex character set up pre-round. So okay. knowing what he's doing pre-round is important. Yeah. Um, it's a lot different than, than Counter-Strike so but anyone can call anything on our team if if they have a call then they'll make it I mean Sabrosa still makes a lot of calls uh, Wardell will make calls where he wants to go with the operator a lot around so i think uh, that that just feeds into that improv style that i talk about a lot i think a lot of the top teams are, are working with a system like that
2: okay so i've got a i got a <clears throat> question for both e and and psycho so Firstly, Psycho, tell me what what qualities or, or what comes to mind when you're thinking about TSM and what TSM does particularly well that stands out to you. And then, likewise, Taylor, I'm going to ask you the same question, but for Xset, You know what does Xset do that you think is pretty sick? This feels like uh, the circles kind of coming together, in boys. In we're, going to, we're going to pump each other. Off <laughs> <here. Let's
4: go. laughs> and they put us in the same room. They say, "All right, now say something nice about each other before you get yeah. out of this room." <laughs> But uh, no, at TSM, I mean, Taylor hit it on the head. Uh, they were, you know, them and Sentinels, they've been the big boys for a very long time. Um, it's been very hard to find a team that's as consistent as them. Um, you know, a lot of teams will pop up and win some of these little Tier 1 tournaments here and there. Um, but when it comes to first strike and stuff like that, they've, they've really hammered it out. So I think for TSM, it really is consistency just across the board, everybody individually on that, on that roster. Um, there's not really weaknesses. You know, some teams we look at and we're like, okay, this is the weak link. We're going to hit where he's at. TSM doesn't really have that. Everybody on that team is, uh, is very solid. And um, they're very structured and they, they all kind of know what they're doing.
3: Aw. <laughs> <laughs> Great
1: right, coach. Uh,
3: Well, X said, I mean, their comps are like out of this world. Sometimes they made Viper work. Like I've always said, Viper's a strong character and on the right team, she would be excellent. And uh, I think we did, and Psycho have shown that that's true. And I'm glad someone's finally like showing that that's um, a capability that you can make any comp work. Um, I think uh, how quickly they arrange their retakes is something uh, that sounds small, but it absolutely fucked us on Split. <laughs> and uh, our comms were a wild, wildly bad. Uh, <laughs> on that, that split half that they had a big comeback on. Um, so, yeah, I think their comps and their chemistry that they've developed is really strong. And I'm guessing their communication is, is strong too because of how quickly they can, they can set up these retakes and stuff.
2: Do you agree with that, Psycho, or is it just a coincidence there? Yeah, he's, he's pretty sharp. He's got a good
4: analysis there. I, um, I think comms is definitely a strong point for us and retakes as well. Um, the comp comp wise, I, I think it's it's kind of easier, right? Because we have we have a weeded who knows how to play Viper really well. So it's easier to kind of make that work. You're not really trying to teach someone how to play Viper. They already know how to play it. So we get to kind of pull that out and then uh, on some maps we play Rays where others would usually play a Rainer or Phoenix. So uh, definitely like to mix it up and, and give people different looks that uh, are difficult.
5: I really like that yeah. question, Dan. I feel the positivity in the room. <laughs> uh, can we take a moment to plug the fact that you guys can ask your questions to our experts today? We have Taylor and we have Psycho joining the show, TSM, as well as Xed coaches. If you have a question for the coaches about their players, about the meta, any of that, hit us up on Twitter right now using the hashtag Immortal Minds. And with that said, I have a question for Weeded. We just hyped up your Viper, man. We all enjoyed watching your Viper throughout these qualifiers, but... Who else is in the top tier of Vipers globally? Who else do you look to for inspiration? Because I feel like the number of pro Vipers are still, you can count them on two hands, even maybe even one hand these days. DDK.
2: Yeah, and I mean, um, you know, if, uh, if we look at Anbox, for example, Poch got Cut, he was their Viper and, and Sober. So, so yeah, it definitely seems like it's it's hard. It's hard to make it make it work and find the right team to make it work with. And I think that's, that's got to be a really discouraging element. I think that's, I think one of the things that makes Weed is special. We, you know, I actually remember a long time ago, um, Mike's and I were, you know, we did a lot of these demo reviews. We, we looked at, I think we saw more than one game where we, we were watching, uh, on Mamba Mode Gaming, uh, we did on the Viper and we started to kind of see what he was trying to do. And it was really cool because there weren't a lot of people that were really trying to make that work. And what's, um, even more interesting in, in that sense is that, and one of the other things that's interesting about we did, and I think a discussion point as well, is that you know he's somebody that hasn't had previous professional level experience. This is the first game he's coming into. He's like a first generation Valorant uh, competitor, ef- effectively. And that's really interesting because especially, um, you know, given what we were thinking going into this game, you think that the CS players would have a lot of advantages. And in CS, it took quite a long time for the for the you know the CS:GO the first generation CS:GO players to start I think I would say maybe it took like a few years for them to really start coming up and having success. But in Valorant, it seems like we're seeing more of this. So that's I think another interesting discussion point about this game and, and what it takes to be good at this game. And and Weed did was making Viper work lots of really cool setups, um, and he just kept trying, man. And so it's uh, in that sense actually, Psycho. When you when you had weeded on the team and you're trying to work work in stuff with viper what was that kind of process like was that an easy process to kind of fit it in or did it take some crowbar work
4: um viper is interesting you really have to change how you play when you have viper because uh, once that wall goes up you can't move it so you really have to have an idea of what you're trying to accomplish if you're going to need the wall later on you know which which choke point is she holding it down on defense stuff like that um, it was definitely definitely difficult. Getting everybody up to speed on that. I think we're still, like, even yesterday, we're just like, oh, we have to be doing this better to, to make Viper work better. And there's always this constant talk about, hey, maybe we just won't play Viper. And I'm like, no, we're playing <laughs> Viper, you know? We just playing Viper. But uh, uh, it, you have to commit to it. You really have to want to make Viper work to make her work because she is in an interesting spot where uh, she's specific. You have to have a very specific idea of how to use her. So, if your viper is not the IGL, then your IGL has to macro manage what your viper is doing pre-round to make sure that he has what he needs to accomplish in the round on T side.
2: Yeah, what were well, the stumbling blocks for you, Taylor, is that, You know, again, we—I know that because we, I think we—we we got Hazed on. I think uh, before you on Immortal Minds, mm-hmm. um, and I know Haste as well was also like a really big fan of trying to figure out how to incorporate Viper. So, so in, in terms of that for you guys, Where is it being difficult and what do you think it is about XS success with it that's, that's you know, different to something that you've been able to kind of come up with so far?
3: Um, well, we ran Viper for a little while on Split. Uh, I don't know how many official matches we had her in, but we ran her for maybe a month on Split and uh, she was strong, you know. It wasn't any different than us running a Cypher or uh, an Omen plus another... Uh, initiator, duelist, um, But it's just like uh, it doesn't benefit how um, adaptable we try to maintain our T sides. So like Psycho said, you have to have an idea of what you want to do because once her utility goes up, you're not getting it back. And um, that does not fit the TSM play style. <laughs> we have a lot of like on the fly calls, uh, quick adjustments. Um, and then, what something that psycho team has done so well is uh like on their retakes they use their wall to cut off our crossfires which is super annoying especially on a map like split um but a lot of that's just coming down to weeded placing stuff i don't know how much of that is set or how much is on the fly but um it's definitely a new play style and i think a lot of agents can get you uh a foot in the door when it comes to retaking or post plants um that if you don't adjust too quickly, you're going to lose the match for sure. So I'm sure if we played Xset again, uh, we might have an easier time. It depends on, like, how much of their stuff we've seen before, you know, which is why I'm excited for a potential demo system in this game Um, and getting more VODs uh, available. Uh, I'm very excited to be able to do more prep work going into a match for sure. Do we have any idea of the
5: timeline of that? have they no, given I, any I don't know insight anything. to the pros? Okay.
3: Nope. Um, but yeah, Viper, like I said, anyone can make her work. It's just about how much, how much, uh, of a headache you want to endure trying to make it work. So we, we just try and make our comps less complicated so the guys can focus on that individual decision-making and staying adaptable.
2: Well, I mean, that has been working for you guys like, you know, so it's, it yeah. doesn't really make sense that, it, that you would change it. So, that makes, yeah, so that makes a lot of sense. Um, one of the things I wanted to touch on as well is that this game is taking place online still. I, I really kind of hope very much like everybody else that we might see some offline events this year. That would be amazing if that could be a reality. We'll we'll see, I suppose. But for now, we have to continue with the, the woes and the frustrations of playing online and obviously, playing North America online historically and, and, and to this day is, is is much more difficult than in Europe. Where in Europe, it's, it's a lot easier to get favorable pings for both teams. So you know the net code becomes a discussion. And you know I've heard a lot of people saying that the current net code is favoring you know more of, of an aggressive play style, that deathball kind of play style where you are wide swinging a lot of the time. Um, is this something that you guys are frustrated with? Have you learned to, to live with it? Um, what would you want to see changed about it? Are you fans of swingers?
3: Mm -hmm. Um, I think, uh, our team would benefit from playing on LAN for sure. We have a lot of experienced players who have lived on LAN for a long time. Um, and I'm not going to pretend to know anything about netcode, about (laughs) how the internet works, but in this game, it feels, uh, like ping differential is a way bigger deal than in any other FPS I've played. And I'm not sure why. I don't know why, but I'm sure it's something that Riot is trying to address. Uh, It's pretty clear that people are complaining about it. Um, So I trust that they're looking into it, trying to fix it as best they can. But it's just, you know, it's the state of the world right now. Everything is online. So it's just something that we've dealt with. We don't really internally complain about it much. Um, we just hope that, that those land events can come sooner rather than later. Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to land. I don't know exactly how
4: it will affect us, uh, but obviously, I hope it's for the better, and I think we all assume it will be. Um, we don't complain too much about wide swinging online. I think most of us get pretty decent ping and performance, but there are times where, where it's like uh, frustrating for the guys for sure, because sometimes it feels like, oh, maybe if I was on land, you know i i wouldn't have gotten killed there maybe they would maybe they wouldn't but it, it's hard it's the speculation It's the the doubt right is my network performance um interrupting uh competitive integrity that otherwise we wouldn't have to worry about if it weren't for this whole COVID mess because a lot of these events would would probably be on land um so we're all looking forward for this like being over and us being on land um hopefully that's sooner rather than later
2: yeah, I, I do wonder on LAN how, how much it's going to kind of fundamentally change some of the jewels that people are used to taking online and suddenly they'll start getting blown up and just will be back a in. Of a confusing. Yeah, it's going to be kind of a little random to begin with, isn't it? It's, it's going to be scary for people to play on LAN. Um, I, I wanted to ask uh, a question to Psycho about coaching again because, you know, you said that, you know, you took to uh, coaching like a duck to water. You just, you got into it and you realized that this is what I'm supposed to do. Um in in terms of coaching, it's it's been really interesting in esports because there's no standardized approach to it. It can look completely different on every single team, and what a coach brings to a team can be completely different. And so, in, like if you were to describe the areas of coaching, um, you know, for, you know, for you that you excel at or that you're kind of operating uh, from within your team, is is it is it magical and tactical? Is it preparation? You- Helping to manage interpersonal relationships, with your players. Are you kind of a, a, a soft performance coach as well as as that strategical analyst? You know, th- there's so many different hats you can wear, right? So, what what kind of best describes you? What do you like the most?
4: I think that's a really solid. Um, that's something I've noticed since I started coaching is that every team I've been on has needed something else. Um, I first came into coaching at uh, the strategic and the analytical side of it, um, but as I started coaching and and had different teams i've realized that um leadership and interpersonal uh uh, development has been a strength of mine as well um on XSet, especially i've kind of been more of like a team dad um kind of just led the team uh as far as that goes as well as guided strategically and kind of helped them come up with things um but yeah like you said it's it's really it just depends on the team and i just try and fill the needs of whatever team i'm on Um, and i think XSet has really hit um a strong mesh point that lines up with what I'm truly good at uh along with what they
5: need from me. Who is your firstborn who follows the rules and who is the unruly trial <laughs> child on Xet Firstborn that
4: follows the rules is definitely Aaron. Uh, he's the oldest. He's closest to my age, so it's really easy to kinda one on one with him and be like, hey like this is what's up and he he just gets it right. Um, some of the other guys they're younger so I uh, can get, you know, touch and go with, you know, certain things. Uh, <laughs> the unruly child, man. I say we did. That's a hard one. I got a couple. <laughs> I want to say we did.
2: I right? got a couple.
4: <laughs> uh, <laughs> They're uh, BC BCJ can be it as well. Um, so I think between the two of them, those are, you know, like the the twins that like to get into the crayons.
5: Taylor, what about you? Who's who's the firstborn on the TSM side of things? Um, and who's in timeout?
3: <laughs> I got a few guys that are often in timeout. Um, obviously, Wardell has a ton of energy, and uh, that can lead to some... Nose in the corner time? Some hyperactive scrim moments, I guess I'll say. <laughs> um, but we, we always have fun during scrim, so there's a lot of moments where you know all of us are acting up. But... Um, all the guys take it seriously. You know, they're all competitors. I think Cutler is definitely the most uh, calm and down-to-earth one. He will never overreact about anything, uh, which is why I have him in the IGL role, and he fits these the characters that fit in IGL really well. I think he's excelled on Sova um, more than any other character he played, maybe next to Cypher. Uh, so I would say that Cutler has, like, the most uh calm sensibility about him he's the easiest to work with for sure uh but but all the guys you know they all have excellent input at times and it's hard it's hard to pick one uh one bratty child proud dad right there
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, nice well i I think is this is this is like one of those very difficult things when building a team i imagine it's just like it's it's so easy especially if you don't know the game very well to think oh you know i want to pick the guy that does really well on this team and the, this guy that does really well on that role from that other team and it's it's so much about the chemistry and it's so much about how everybody fits together and it is it's so much less about any indiv- one individual you know it's, it's 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 about having a team that is more than the sum of its parts so it's really interesting to see how teams get there because it seems like it can be such an accidental process as well. So yeah, it's really interesting hearing some of those insights. Um, Taylor, you know, in terms of, in terms of coaching, have, how has that, what's the evolution been like for you? Because again, like you, it feels like, again, you, you can really wear as many hats as you want to in the role. Uh, has there been any areas of it that you felt like you've had to put a lot more work into than others that come less naturally that you feel like you needed to, to do for the team's sake or how has it been?
3: Um, yeah, I think, um, like I said, the, the interpersonal relationship building has been something pretty new for me. Um, I've been a manager on a team before and I've been an analyst on a team before. So I came into this game. Um, I was never like a numbers guy. I never really believed that looking at the right numbers could win you a game. I always thought it was about like the individual playmaking and the chemistry and stuff, but, um, I never had to uh, mitigate and mediate between people before. And I'm having to do that on this team, even though my guys have great chemistry. It's like, you know, it's five high testosterone people (laughs) playing a very competitive game. Uh, Shit gets heated sometimes. So I think managing that and making sure my guys are are being the best versions of themselves as often as they can be i think that's been a new challenge for me for sure
2: are you guys kind of worried in any sense of how riot may perceive and deal with coaches going to the future like for example it doesn't seem like there's a huge priority for coaches do you guys don't ha- even have a slot in the server you know like um One so and obviously with valve I, I would hope that they don't take the same approach valve has done where valve have it feels like a very bad relationship with with coaches, and they don't really want the coaches. It almost feels like to be involved, and there's been so much drama around that. I'm hoping that you know the story is different with Riot, and that it's seen much more of an of an integral part to a team, and is is treated with that respect. Um, with with how it, things are presented, and with the tools you guys are getting, to, you know, like coaching slots, like the replays and everything else, and 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 so on. You know, how, what do, what do you feel like in terms of the, the kind of future prospects? For, for this, you know, being a coach in a Riot game, do you feel better than in, if you were playing a Valve game?
3: I think that, um, I think the difference is that with Riot, I think a lot of the coaches feel like they're just waiting in line. You know, we're just waiting for our turn because they have so much other stuff going on. And that we can, we can patiently wait our turn to get the stuff that we need to help a team. Um, they have a lot of of other things to focus on. I mean, they're still churning out maps like crazy. They're doing a lot of weapon balance changes. They're still releasing agents on, a every three months or whatever. Um, that's a ton of work for this team to do. So I can understand why coaches have a lower priority, but with valve, I was not in line. I was outside the building on the street and the door (laughs) was locked. Uh, and they were making fun of me from inside the windows. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I, I trust that Riot will, I mean, I've had meetings with Riot. I, I can't name a single Valve employee outside of Gaben. Uh, and, you know, I'm friendly with Riot devs. Uh, I'm very close with some of them. So I think just the fact that they're, they're willing to talk to coaches and they understand how esports works uh, is, is, makes me very hopeful in the future. So I'm not worried about it.
5: Can I ask some difficult coach questions and you guys are free to dodge any of these, but I got to start here with what's going on with T1. First of all, what do we think of fraud leaving this squad? (laughs) Was this on his own terms? Was the whole team just falling apart at that point? And David Dennis, former TSM member is now lining up as the head coach of T1 Taylor, any insight you can provide on this situation.
3: Uh, well, I didn't know until he got announced. that. So David was uh, working with the league team primarily, and we had maybe four or five meetings with him, and he sat in on some scrims just to give us some input when he was in some downtime on the league team. Um, and he gave us good input. Uh, I guess TSM felt that he wasn't giving good enough input, <laughs> so uh, they let him explore other options. Uh, but, yeah, he was primarily a league player, uh, like, uh, what do they call it? Whatever type of coach performance like coach, coach, I think was, yeah, it was the yeah. official title. Um, I think it's a little strange to pick him up as a head coach for a team just because, uh, usually a head coach has to provide some level of strategy input. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they can make it work, you know, they might be able to make it work. That team is full of, uh, people with a lot of, tournament experience and leadership experience. So they just might not need that analytical style coach for that team. Like DDK said, a coach can wear many hats. Um, so I don't know. They can make it work. I'm not, I'm not really sure. Uh, but David's a nice guy, and I wish him the best for sure. Uh, as far as fraud leaving, I don't know. I don't know if it was mutual or yeah. the team wanted to let him go. I think the fact that um, Brax and AZK also – have both stepped down or been cut means that there was some turmoil in the team, some disagreement that couldn't be fixed. So my guess is that it was a mutual understanding.
5: Psycho, do you think T1 is going to be built stronger now, adding automatic to the lineup? You're losing um, AZK and Brax, but you're kind of starting fresh with some more fire firepower here. Yeah, I don't know. It's
4: it's weird because I I feel like Brax was really finding his stride. Whereas towards the beginning of the game, I, you know, he was definitely impressive aim-wise, but I felt in a team setting on a server, he was underwhelming, but when they started shifting his roles around and he started kind of picking it up these last few months, I, I thought he was really impressive. So to see him and Fraud and AZK all leave is is really interesting. Um, David seems like a nice guy. I don't really know him from before Valorant, but from booking scrims with him the last few weeks, he seems like a cool dude. Um, I definitely can see a difference, you know, already. Like, I, I can't say any specifics, but just in the server with them, it, it's already a different team, you know, they execute differently they run different comps you know it's it's been interesting seeing um how the coach and player changes have completely reshaped what that team is Um, and i think we'll see a much different t1 moving forward Uh, i think the automatic change panning out will depend on how fast he can develop as a valorant player Mm -hmm. Um, he obviously has really solid mechanics um, but just translating that to uh, add in Valorant specific knowledge
5: over the next month or two. It'll be interesting to see what his uh, uh, potential is. And then taking a look at some of the other teams uh, real quickly here, guys. IGL changes both for Anbox and Renegade. strongly stepping in as the IGL for Renegades, I'm told. And then Anbox benching Poach. They're looking at the IGL for Moon Raccoons. I heard in their in their latest qualifiers. So Taylor, do you have any insight on some of these other teams that are making swaps?
3: Um, I mean, Renegades Renegades always had a really strong chemistry. Um, I'm, I was a little surprised to see them make the change that they did. Uh, I don't know much about strong legs outside of his, his stream because we haven't really played each other much uh, just because of the tournament level difference. But, you know, he seems like a competitor who has a drive. So if he can bring some level of leadership to the team, that, that could help them a lot. Um, and then Ambox, I think it was pretty clear they needed a leadership change. Uh, I don't know anything about Poach, um, but I think um, they definitely need some more structure because right now they're relying really heavily on on Jacob and uh, Brad on Android and and Yay right. to get them through rounds.
2: Yeah, that was that was definitely my my sense as well. Um, it's 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 a ooh, it's a difficult one. I think when Anbox first sort of broke out and had that a great tournament, the first thing I said to people was, "This is exciting and it's cool," but at the same time, we have to you know hold our horses here because there's you know we we, we see this even in CS, a game which has less variance ultimately, um, where a team can have a really strong run in a tournament. I think you know Furia would be a great example when they first came onto the scene. They beat you know Astralis and you know and no one knows how to deal with their style, but you know, after one event, people start to know what's going on. They'll start to study you. And it's the question as to whether you have the adaptation, you have the fundamental prowess to actually still be a strong team when other teams know what they're up against. And it seemed like that was kind of the case with Anbox as well, that, you know, they they hit a really good stride in that one event. And then it's on them to like replicate that. And they were sort of unable to do so. So I wonder if they're sort of just if there is a bit of a scramble just trying to figure out what do we change. And it's so hard to know also within a team, what's going on in terms of, you know, the, the chemistry, um, like you guys were saying, like, if, if also if the interpersonal stuff isn't managed well, there, there can be resentment coming into places, which where it, it sh- doesn't necessarily need to be. And that can cause people, you know, maybe, get, you know, one person getting siloed away from the others and, you know, and then being scapegoated. So there's this, who knows, who know, you know, it's really hard to predict, but I hope they're able to figure it out, though. I think they've got a lot of really good players. Um, I think as you said, like Android and Ye are really amazing in terms of their, their mechanical ability, but but you know they have to become Valorant players as well. So I'm I'm curious, I'm very curious at Ambox. You guys think they were overhyped as well? I want to get Psycho's huh. take, because you were kind of in that same tier this whole way.
4: Yeah, we we kind of came we were coming up around the same time Ambox was developing their team as well. Um when we first would scrim them, they were scary, man. Like they'd run Viper on bind and they'd, they'd hit a site and they'd cut our CT setups in half. And we were like, what the fuck is going on? Like, how do we, how do we counter this? Um, And for, for a really long time, they were scary. Right. And we talked about poach getting cut earlier and how that affects like Viper being seen. But I think they were already like shying away from that because, um, you know, people started to figure out how to play against it. It was one of those things that it was weird at first because nobody really had any protocols, but once you start scrimming against the Viper, you start developing the protocols against the Viper. So I think on a map like Bind, it just wasn't working. Um, I don't know as far as like, I can't really speak to their interpersonal workings. I don't really know why Poach was released. I do agree with what Taylor said that Yay and Android were kind of doing the heavy lifting uh, frag-wise uh, to kind of keep them afloat. Um, they've definitely fallen off a little bit since a couple months ago. So it'll be interesting to see if Rebo is, you know, who they decide permanently going forward or if they're gonna keep trying out people or what that'll look like. But it's interesting to see Rebo IGL that team. You know, he's more of a like a hard IGL, I'm gonna I'm gonna do like move the chess pieces around and let you frag kind of thing, which, you know, is interesting. Uh we haven't really seen that much in this game. Usually so far, you know, everybody on the team is more of a hard fragger and then somebody just kinda of steps on and calls.
2: Yeah, and no, I I actually um want to quickly go back to the T one thing, um, because I actually want to make a a bold prediction with T1. That they'll find they'll they'll find a top top four thing in the next like couple months, uh, two to three months. I'm gonna make a bold prediction. I think I think part of the changes are because of how how much Dazed wants to do things Dazed way, which I think also kind of explains why they don't need a coach necessarily. That's gonna maybe step on his toes, so he's gonna finally get. The ability presumably to kind of work the team in the way that he wants and i think the history with brax and azk you know previously they played with days and steel and skadoodle um you know in that original i by power lineup that lineup was really good at that point in time but at the same time that line- lineup exploded before i think some of the problems within the team were going to come to a natural head okay. which i think they were headed that way um because it i think the chemistry of that team from the outside at least didn't seem like it was going to last a very long time so I think maybe, you know, I'm, I have the sense that maybe that's kind of what we were beginning to see. Um, and Automatic is, I think, one of the most versatile players and someone who's won a major in CS. Major so, champion, um, the NA
5: major champ,
2: Dan. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. He's he's a boss man, and he's hungry. He's been he, since the Boston Major. He's been looking to win a title, and I feel like he's been pipped at the post so many times in terms of getting a team that's actually going to stick together. So, I'm I'm I guess I'm like I'm kind of hoping for him and hoping for days that they actually are able to return to to some prominence with with this. Well, I need to put some
5: stakes on this, Dan. I like the call that they're going to be in a semifinal but what's the time frame like how much wiggle room do we have to give you because we got the masters coming up here in March and then we've got a little bit of a a layover Are, are we talking top tier tournament what is what is the level that they'll reach in that semifinal? it's not a Pittsburgh Knights like weekend event
2: right I mean I think they need at least three months automatic is really fresh to the game um you know, they haven't had Spider for a very long time and they've obviously made a lot of changes here. But I, I, I think like a minimum of three months to start to see them in a in in a in a great shape. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. Part part of it is because I'm believing in days and also automatic. So maybe my, my faith faith is misplaced. I, I guess we'll see.
5: I, th- I feel like you've watched them enough that it's probably coming from a good place. What do you guys think of that prediction? gonna start with you, Psycho. Do you like Dan's pick? next three months we will see a semifinals appearance from t1 mm,
4: i i'm maybe a little bit more skeptical um i think that three months is definitely a good time frame to see the potential of this roster with these new changes the new coach the new uh players um but whether or not they're gonna you know hit top four in the next you know riot event in three months i don't know uh there's a lot of competition right now uh our team was talking about it the other day i think there's 25 or 26 salaried Valorant teams in North America. That's a lot of pressure for a lot of teams whose, you know, jobs are on the line to do well. So everybody wants it at the top level. Everybody wants that semifinal spot to show to their org. Hey, we're worth you, you know, continuing to pay us. So I think, you know, T1 has the potential uh, on paper with all these players, um, but whether they're able to convert it uh, into a top four placing in a ride event in
3: three months, uh, time will tell for sure.
5: LG and Immortals just did it there in the first Challengers event there. What do you think could happen here, Taylor?
3: Uh, yeah, T1 obviously has potential adding Tim. I think Automatic is like one of the smartest Counter-Strike players to ever step foot out of NA. Um, so I'm really excited to watch him learn the game and watch it click like, okay, this is how you play the game, and then watch him run with it. So I think if him and, uh, days can form a partnership instead of bud heads, which David could provide, uh, a route to that partnership, Okay. David Dennis, uh, then that team could be very strong. So I think, I think Dan might be on the money with it, but you know, we'll see when, when we scrim them right after they picked up automatic, it was like scrimming the old T one, you know, it was like very late site hits and mm-hmm. it was very easy for us to shut down. Uh, Psycho's probably scrimmed them uh more recently than I have. Uh so I think you know maybe we could be seeing those changes already with the way he was talking about them.
5: Can we finish the T1 thought here guys? Where do Brax and AZK go next? Is there a natural fit out there of a team of 3 or even a a team that might remove a player to add this duo?
3: I think I already know where they're going, so I don't want to Not want to spoil
4: that one. <laughs> Got I don't it. want to speculate. Yeah, they're, they're going to TSM.
5: Nice! <laughs> I, I have no idea. Gotta grow the beard. It'll be, be interesting out.
4: to see for sure. Um, I think anybody who picks up Brax will definitely benefit. Uh, he has a very unique way of playing jet, and I think that he can fit in on a support role um, and supplement already
5: powerful fragging potential because um, he's a very smart kid and can pick up things really quickly. So it'll be interesting to see. Dan, do you have a prediction of where this is going? I know you don't have the secret sauce that
2: Taylor and I have um man, I have no idea I really don't I'd have no no input on this one I'm afraid <laughs> I have no idea okay moving
5: on then uh we we had a few questions coming from Twitter can i can I start with the first one here we can get back to a few of these in a moment the first question is for psycho they want to know acoustic bass or electric guitar
4: <laughs> oh that's a tough one if i had if like someone was gifting me one I would probably take the acoustic bass right because it's worth like 10 times more and it's a beautiful piece of art that i can put in my living room i can't really play either of them i'm not very good at either of them uh because i'm a drummer i don't do string a
3: instruments, drummer so.
5: way off yeah. twitter person drummer we got the musician <laughs> part right well
3: done i actually played guitar do you? Nice. yeah you need to get the just just stand nice. going just not in front of anybody not,
5: not <laughs> yet you just wait the post-covid concert held by tsm mm-hmm. i'm ready for
2: it yeah so I just realized, Chris, that the time is getting away from us, and we should start the Ask Us Anything segment here. So we should, we should really kick that off officially. It is time, guys. We'll be checking Twitter as well. The hashtag is, as uh, Chris just mentioned, uh, hashtag Multiple Minds. if you submit any questions over there, but we'll also be checking the chat. So ask us anything. You can direct the questions to everybody or any individual. You can ask whatever you want.
3: Let's get um, real personal. Let's reveal some secrets. Super personal. <laughs> I will I will answer any question. What
2: kind of milk wow. do you take in your
3: coffee? Ooh, whole milk. Whole milk, okay. Uh, this is from fucking Weebtrez, who wants to know,
5: TSM seems <laughs> to change their IGL a lot. Do they plan to have a different mid-round caller? It's been color for a while, IIRC, but it's been subrosa and hazed even. Are they satisfied with the current calling? Hashtag Immortal Minds. This is from Seiya, a.k.a. Weebtrez.
3: That's a good question and a fair one. Uh, I think uh, we started with Hayes because at first we didn't have an IGL. And the first time we lost the match, we were like, all right, it's time. You know, let's let's get a dedicated caller, um, just to have a voice to rally behind. Um, <clears throat> and then when we made certain comp changes, uh, I really liked the way Sabrosa was mid-rounding. So I asked him to take over the IGL role, at least temporarily, which uh, became hard for him because he was playing as a duelist at the time. He was playing on Phoenix. Um, So then I moved it over to Cutler uh, because Cutler said he was finally willing to take over the role. He felt like he knew enough about the game finally to be able to perform well and call. And I mean, that was like six, seven months ago now. So it's been a long time. And uh, I'm happy with the way Cutler calls. Anyone can give mid round input when they want. Uh, Cutler's calls are usually very on point with uh, how he's reading the other team. Um, I think uh, our biggest issues come from not listening to the caller sometimes <laughs> or not hearing what he's calling. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm satisfied with Cutler. We're we're not planning on changing that anytime soon. Excellent.
2: Nice. Well, we have another Twitter question from Kelvin which is what is your least favorite map at the moment and what would you do to improve it?
3: Let's start with Psycho here. Icebox. Don't say Icebox. God damn it. (laughs) Icebox.
4: (laughs) Look, I think it's a a great map. map. I think it brings a lot of cool stuff. I like the verticality, especially. I really like the verticality. I like that they're experimenting with what a map can be for a game like this. However, I think the pathing into... The, both the bomb sites, honestly, is a little. It could it could use some love. I think with some minor changes. I don't know what those changes are. I'm not a map designer. I couldn't pretend to like be smart enough to tell you exactly how to fix the map. All I can say is that playing the map, you have to really change um, how you play as a team, which I think is fine. But if it's totally breaking down how Valorant is played and, and adjusting it and shifting it, I think that it's, we we should kind of like realign it so that. Um, it could be played more like a Valorant map and not like its own entity altogether.
3: Yeah, I love Icebox. I don't know. I think it's a good map. What's the worst, though? Um, least favorite? Uh, least favorite is still probably Bind. Um, I think Bind, the teleporters are like a fun addition, and it's a cool idea, but I don't think it's enough to replace uh, a mid on a map. And mid is what makes... Um, sides and CT side defaults so dynamic and interesting to me um, so I think that um, the inability to like split a bomb site effectively makes binds pretty boring and one dimensional uh, as far as the layout goes you know there's still like some fun stuff that happens but most of the A takes look the same, most of the B takes look the same, the retakes look the same uh, that that map would be the weakest out of the five for me
5: Taylor, this next one comes from Evoke C 137 who wants to know, why did you decide to use two controllers on Bind? What's the thought process into going and selecting a comp like that?
3: Um, I think the main reason we wanted to try it was to be able to, like, double execute on a site. So Bind is interesting where you have to, like, execute on a site and then you can't just sit on the site because someone's going to retake on you and it becomes a nightmare so being able to double execute or execute twice on a site um makes it a lot easier to get onto the site to begin with so if you execute like if you execute up a and you throw your wall smokes between like tank and triple mid-site then the omen's gonna burn his flash and you haul um the you can take time to find the cipher trips while those smokes are up. You can pinch bathroom players that are are maintaining that bathroom control. And then once you've done all that, you can re-execute the back of the site with a spawn and a heaven smoke. Um, so I think uh, I don't think the double smokes is what what gave us trouble on bind. I actually think our bind versus Gen G was was pretty solid. They just had some really good retakes and then we lost a few silly rounds that that gave them the game but um i think the double controller you know i don't know if we'll i don't think we'll keep that going into the next uh the next event but um it's just one of those things like you can run you can run any comp you want if it if there's some game plan for it and that was our game plan and it, it works pretty well
5: i don't want to go too deep into this and reminder guys it's Best if you can use the hashtag immortal minds because then we can pull it up on the graphic it looks real sexy and stuff uh but ethic in the chat wanted a quick follow-up with that same logic that you just used for binds double controllers why not do something like that on split
3: um on split it's not really necessary just because you don't have to fighting off a retake is is not as hard unless you're playing exit apparently because their retakes are really annoying <laughs> um But yeah, split is kind of like you take the site and then you hold the site. It's not like uh, you have to extend your control. Um, We used to do it on ascent and it worked really well. Ascent is tough because um, mid is so big that you kind of need to take mid in steps. So you take like close mid and then you take deeper mid control to push them back into the extremities. Um, so having double smokes is good for that because we really like to sometimes take control and then snap, go into an execute, depending on the info that we get. Um, so that works really well on ascent because if you find that three people are lean towards B and you have someone inserted in mid, that person can cut off rotations and you can execute a site with four people and you still have, you know, two or three smokes to do it. Got it. So double controller works on that map really well.
2: Nice. That makes a lot of sense, and I think uh, that's a a great spot to go to another Twitter question. Um, Let's see. Do you have anything already that you are eyeing up, Chris?
5: I do. So this one's in uh, the chat here for a producer from Brent Carpenter who wants to know from Psycho: What are your thoughts on the three duelist players on some maps? So what comps (laughs) uh, or what maps do you like to see triple duelist if at all?
4: Um. We ran a triple duelist on Icebox for a bit when we were just kind of learning how to plug the map and learn how it flows. Um, I think it's viable on any map if you're willing to make it work. Um, the way that we try and look at comp changes is not necessarily what you're gaining, right? Because with, with third duelist, you're getting you know, more fragging power for that third player. So you kind of got to adapt to uh, playing a more aggressive style, but you're also losing something, right? So if you're putting in a third duelist, you're probably dropping your Sova on most maps so you're um you're losing that info character or you're dropping your sentinel so you're losing that uh flank watching potential on the added uh ct defensive bonus where you can kind of turtle into the site with your utility so you kind of got to play a little bit more aggressive on both extremities um it's viable but I, I still prefer to run support characters just because i'm more of a strategic guy i like to run strats i like to have default system and systems and places and have utility to fall back on mid round to execute um it's it's cool to see but it's it's just not my thing uh it's basically what i'm getting at it can be done just not for me
5: got it dan i got another one here from lou valorant and i think this is a great question how do you grow as an in-game leader and what is the best way to grow on calling strats mid-game or creating strats without a coach so taylor would love to direct this to you first
3: um, I think uh, the IGL needs to be able to adapt to what the team needs, um, or vice versa. I think that you need to find a team that fits your calling style. Um, so you know, people look at Jordan as like this great basketball player, but they had four people around him that were just willing to put up with his shit because he was so good. Right. <laughs> I'm sure, a lot of people would have hated playing with Jordan. Um, I think the I think the IGL needs to find his style, his or her style, and then find four players that can fit with it, which is hard to do, you know, it doesn't always work. And there's some great IGLs out there who just haven't had the right teammates around them to make their style work. So I think uh, as far as developing, watching as many demos as you can is important. Trying to think about why decisions are being made, uh, what decisions could have been made, establishing protocols is really important especially in this game with how variable the utility usage is um protocols are really important and then um setting goals i think setting goals in a round setting goals in a match setting goals for a week of practice i think that's all really important too
5: i really like that goal setting portion of it psycho what about you any any advice you would give to someone who's on a team, on the come-up, even if they're in high school right now playing with friends, what are the steps that you would take immediately to improve your gameplay as an in-game leader?
4: Uh, well, first off, hi, Lou. I love you, bud. Uh, second off, I think the the biggest thing for an ICL uh, in most of the teams that I've worked with, uh, and even when I used to ICL as a player, um, buying into the system is important. Um, and like Taylor hinted at, it's, it's important to find players who are willing in, to buy into your system and are... Uh, going to complement what you bring or you complement and bring out their uh, best abilities. Um, so it's really important that when you're making calls that they're listening to them, whether they're the right calls or not. Um, and it's important to do VOD review afterwards. Uh, what I always say is that you know, nitpicking mid-round or second-guessing the IGL is is never what you should be doing in a scrim or a match. That's, there's a time and a place for everything, and it's called VOD review. So make sure that even if you don't have a coach, you're sitting down with your players, you're watching the recording, You're looking at things as objectively as possible and trying to keep emotions to a minimum and just saying, look, how can we improve this round? What was the call that was made? Identify the call from the IGL. Was it a good call? First of all, yes or no. If it wasn't a good call, what's a better call that could be made? Um, And just have discourse as a team be willing to take input. You know, the the IGL doesn't have to be necessarily the smartest person on the team. He's just the one that you're trusting to have the analytical read and speak up and have the voice to direct the players around him.
2: Yeah, it's a really good answer. Um, I think uh, it's it's interesting because it's you know all about. I think this is one of the big biggest thing with players is that where where is the emotional investment? And it's it's interesting that some players will react really badly to if if they ha- if they are having a bad bad time and lose sight of the fact that they're supposed to. Maybe you know you know you can't change anything during the performance, as you say. It's like after the performance. Um, but talking about emotional investment, we've got a, a question here from Hariklinis in the chat. Um, how are you guys emotionally investing for the future of this game? He asks, you know, where will you see Valorant heading in 10 years?
4: Ooh. I'm personally all in. Um, I think that it'll grow. I think that they want to franchise it like they have with LCS. I think LCS has found great success, both in viewership and uh, in terms of career health for its competitors and coaches. Um, and if, if they transition into that as success- successfully as they did with League of Legends, then they're going to do a great job um, so I personally, um, you know, I'm all into this endeavor for the next few years to see where it takes us. Um, so far, XSED has been very supportive uh, of me and our team. Um, and we're looking forward to what these next few years
3: bring. Yeah, I think um, I have full faith that Riot is going to continue to make this a tier one eSport. And uh, when we get those those LAN competitions, we'll, we'll only see the viewership increase. Um, I think Valorant's Twitch viewership has maintained and grown in a really steady manner which is important and uh i'm lucky enough to have two of like the biggest streamers on my team now sabrosa getting you know six seven thousand viewers on his own and and wardell sometimes getting up to twelve thousand viewers on his own um so i think that uh i think it's growing in a really healthy way in a natural way and i think that's what riot wanted they wanted this natural community to build and um the competition only makes it more fun. I mean, the the storylines that we've had have been really awesome uh, through the first year. So I'm sure it's only going to get better the second year. And then as we get into, you know, a potential partner program or whatever riot wants to do, uh, I'm really excited for it. All
5: right. I got two final questions and they're both predictions here, Dan. So I'm going to jump in with the first one challengers to predictions, guys, we got eight teams playing for some serious money that of course has been delayed Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday for the event. It's not starting today. You can sit back, relax, finish shoveling your driveway like man silly. But as we take a look at the bracket here, fellas, (laughs) who is the favorite to win it? Who are your top three? Let's start with Taylor here because Psycho, he's a little bit more emotionally invested.
3: (laughs) Um, I mean, Sentinels has the chemistry to carry them to the moon. Definitely have the chemistry to carry them through this bracket. Uh, that team is like an anomaly amongst all other teams, I think. And to me, they're they're the number one team in North America right now. Uh, I think that xset could have trouble against Envy. Uh, I feel like it's either going to be close and Envy will win or xset will blow them out. Um, but it all depends if Envy wants to show up that day. And then phase is always tough when you get to the end of an event because phase is, like, full of these high-tier competitors. They might not have the structure that all the other teams have, but um, they have the experience to stay calm and, and maximize their their individual skill. So we'll see how that goes. I think uh, Sentinels will make it through on that side of the bracket, okay. and Exit's and clearly the team to watch for. On the bottom side of the bracket, I'm curious to see how Gen.G does against like um, these teams like LG or Immortals, where Gen.G typically struggles a little more against the, the lower tier teams than they do against the higher tier teams. Um, but the addition of Kenny of acusta uh, is, is a really good one for them, I think. And their addition of uh, MC, the, the new coach, has been really good too. So curious to see how they'll do. Immortals and LG, I still don't see the potential for them to make it to the end of an event. But, um, you know, anything could happen. And then 100 Thieves is like, uh, I'm still waiting to see how consistent they can stay. Uh, I know Nick has been in and out of practice and matches. so Being a dad, uh, busy man. Yeah, (laughs) obviously his priorities are with his family. So we'll see. Taylor, um, I need
5: the official final three though. Who's who's going?
3: Uh final three? Top three. It's double elimination. Oh, okay. Uh Sentinels. Mm, let's say Sentinels, Envy, and Hundred Thieves sentinels I'll envy hundred thieves played safe
5: okay going with so <laughs> yeah. tried and true what about Sorry, you psycho. mr x set coach psycho i need your top three here for challengers two
4: well i think um as with all events especially in valorant it's all it's all matchup based right like if if tsm hadn't gotten matched up with us and you know got a team that they match up better against like maybe phase then they'd probably be in here but uh, matchups aside and, and taking my own team out of this i think the three strongest teams on paper um are sentinels obviously i think they're number one still they've dropped some maps against teams or some series against teams recently but it always seems like they're doing it because they're you know they're just not giving their 100 percent that day or whatever it always seems like they're just right there and they could have won it if they wanted to for whatever reason they just always look so strong um for two and three i'd probably say 100 thieves are, are always really solid as long as Nitro's playing um their their strategy is just unmatched, even by us right now. So, um, and then three, I think uh, Immortals are just on a, a a rampage right now. I think their new roster is really clicking. I think they have enough strategy to complement the sheer firepower that they have to to go really deep in this.
5: I like that pick. All right, we got some variety in our picks. Dan, do you want to be the tiebreaker, or should we just wrap it right here? <laughs> um.
2: Yeah. Definitely. I, I I think I agree with with. Uh... Taylors in terms of just like playing it safe i do think though that access like an amazing dark horse pick for anyone who's, who's into you know uh a dark horse pick um but yeah uh, what about you chris What do you stand
5: i am with Taylor on the sentinels pick through and through i'm honestly <laughs> hoping for the the kind of new rosters to break through in this one and just make the third challengers even nuttier than this one is uh I, I want to see more from Gen G, but I'm with I'm with Psycho. I think Immortals is gonna look good in this one again. I think FaZe Clan is not gonna pull it off, but I would like to see it. And I think this is Envy's bounce back tournament. I think we're gonna see Envy. But as the chat mentioned, it is the top four that matters. That's what lock into the next tournament. It's not just the top three. But remember, guys, you got several days. It's not happening. Tonight it's kicking off on Saturday for the first day of action
2: sure and with that said it's uh it's time for us to close the showdown today so thank you to all of our guests you know before we before we you know do that hard exit let, you know tell me what you guys are up to if people want to see you more are you guys streaming you're making content um you know I'll start with you taylor then we can go to psycho you know what are you up to
3: <laughs> well i actually just got my twitch partnership but Congrats. i don't i don't stream anymore <laughs> i haven't, <No>. I haven't <laughs> streamed in months so i'm not sure why that just came through but um i guess Congrats. you could follow my stream but yeah you can follow me on twitter and i'm just focusing on uh i clearly i just moved Not clearly no one knows what my place looks like but i just moved so that's been taking up a lot of my time um but yeah just focusing on this next open qualifier and trying to get to the master's event that's that's all that's on my plate currently your new
5: mansion looks great by the way at least from what yeah, i thank can you. here <laughs> second what's and next second
4: so for me um twitter's I'm mainly active on Twitter more than anything, not very good at social media, so I just try and keep it to one. but I am working on cooking up a YouTube series for um mainly geared towards like ranked players looking to make them move into competing with a team so I'm um, hoping to launch that within the next month or two, but we'll see how timelines line up i'm I'm moving here in a week or so as well. you can't see it, but there's boxes all over my apartment right now, so uh we'll see but follow me on Twitter and uh, I'll be posted
5: about it once time comes. Excellent. Awesome. What about you, Chris? You're a busy man. For me, I've just been playing a ton of Halo CE on stream to about 26 people. It's been fantastic. (laughs) uh, Watching a ton of Valorant. I'm excited for this weekend. Um, And also just, I think it's been nice to not cast for a little bit and just be able to listen to everyone else who's been on the mics. But I'm excited for things to get serious. We're getting closer to that major. And I feel like the first challengers, everyone was kind of relaxed. The second one, you can see the intensity stepping up a little bit through the qualifiers. This next one is going to be nutty going into the major. Are we going to see TSM at the major, Tailored? Can you tell the people it's going to be okay?
3: Yeah, it's going to be okay. It's going to okay, guys.
5: There we go. That's it for me.
3: <laughs> hey, maybe uh, maybe Puckett's going to follow me back on Twitter finally. Oh. oh. I just get I'm not one up? of the lucky, like, 2,400 people that you follow. <laughs> Listen, you got to be a pro player. (laughs) Pro players only. Sorry. Oh, my God.
5: I'm unfollowing Boxer Launders to follow you. I got this. No worries.
3: Okay. (laughs) That's fine with me.
2: All right. Well, with with that said, um, you know, of course, you know, thank you again to, to you, Taylor, and to you, Syka, and as always, Chris, for, for joining us on today's show. we will be, well, make sure you check in on our social media, you know, follow us at Immortal Minds, and, you know, make sure that you're keeping your eye out for any future episodes that will be popping up. As always, you know, this will be going out on YouTube and in audio format, you know, all the usual business. So make sure that if you did miss today's episode, that you go and catch it on the YouTubes. Uh, but otherwise, you know, thank you to our, pro- well, our technical producer. We've got the guy who's pretty new, actually, working with us, Luke. Uh, do you want to bring up your Twitter, Luke? Yeah, do it. I know it. you're searching for some extra, this extra gigs at the moment. He's- yeah, so let's, let's give some Luke some love. And also, you know, also shout outs to, you know, Bree Rivers as well for you know, producing the show and, you know, making all the things happen. Would, nothing would happen without, if I was doing stuff, let's be honest, <laughs> as far as organizing things, nothing would happen. Um, so... Thanks to everyone who makes the show possible. Thanks to you guys for watching and all the new subs today. And we'll see you on the next one. Cheers.
4: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a
0: new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four part series now streaming on Showtime. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing.